Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, Andrea has been playing Assassin's Creed Mirage and has lots to say about it. And I've been playing Silent Hope. of the West Good Games Podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. Every Friday, I am one of your hosts, Brittany Brombaka, alongside the gorgeous, seductively voiced Andrea Renee. What's good, Britt? Girl, I'm loving this voice. I'm sorry it has to come with such a shitty sickness or whatever it is you got going on. Oh, thank you. Yes, so apologies in advance, listeners. I do have a little bit of a rasp and... Hopefully our wonderful editing team will edit out most of the coughs. I have my finger like poised on my microphone mute, but I wanted to come on the show because the Assassin's Creed Mirage embargo is up this week. The game is out. I have a lot of things to say about it. We, of course, are missing our third host, Rihanna, as she is taking the night off. Because in case you miss the news, everybody, she is very pregnant. Oh, yeah. And so sometimes girl just needs a break. She needs to put her feet up and rest. Yeah. You know, and I feel like now that you and I have gone through the throes of pregnancy, I'm encouraging her. I'm like, girl, just go. Just take everything off. Just not, well, I mean, please take everything off and send pictures. Like, I would like that. But more just relax. You know, put life on easy mode. Just enjoy it. And I'm encouraging her to take it easy. And I know you are, too. Absolutely. We're trying really hard not to fall into those tropes that a lot of parents do when one of their friends gets pregnant about the really terrible advice that people give you right before you're about to have a baby of like, sleep as much as you can now, but really do it. And go on lots of dates. You're never going to go on dates again and do this and do this. And it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, life just happens how it happens, okay? That's it. And speaking of life, Andrea, we have some pretty important housekeeping that we want to talk about to our lovely What's Good Games community. So do you want to kick this off or would you like me to kick this off? How are you feeling? What does your gut say? Well, my gut says... Let's first thank this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's oh, Godson, sure. Ferris, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. And we'll be talking about our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games in just a second. But we also have some wonderful new five-star reviews. People <laughs> yeah, have been yeah. so kind. <laughs> they have been so kind. And y'all are just killing it. So thank you, Wispy Wands and Anonymous Nut Butt. And now if you're hearing the word nut butt and you're like, yo, that sounds like kind of sketch. Don't forget, we had an incredible conversation about Nut Butts when we talked about our Final Fantasy VII Rebirth coverage mm-hmm. a few weeks back. And apparently, Anonymous Nut Butt really liked our conversation about the Chocobo's Nut Butt. So thank you all so much for these reviews. They mean a lot to us and they make us laugh. And like we said last week, they really give us those warm and fuzzies and give us the encouragement, the gas, if you will, to move on. Although I will say I naturally, Andrea, produce a lot of gas, as you are aware of. But this is a different kind of gas. Lots of early pieces of the podcast before we officially start where Brittany's like, wait, got to burp it out first and then we can start the show. Man, I need to start a whole ass podcast about gut health feel like I would you are an expert on it for sure I like to think I am but I'm still burping all the freaking time anyway we're not here to talk about Brit's burps that's not why we're here different podcast different time Future podcast, maybe. Today's show is also brought to you by Factor, which we'll tell you about in just a few minutes. But the housekeeping that Brittany was alluding to is that, as you guys know, and as I literally mentioned just a moment ago, our co-host, Rihanna Manuel Pena, is pregnant with her and her husband, Danny's first child. We're very excited for them. And she is going to have that baby sometime very soon. Sometime between now and the next couple of weeks. Could be a week, could be four weeks. Anytime. Could be five weeks. You know, babies, they make their own time, as anybody who has a baby knows. And so we have decided that in a show of solidarity, we are going to take a collective hiatus from What's Good Games because Brittany and I were like, you know, we actually didn't take very much time off when we had our babies 
because we felt the urge to keep grinding and to keep working and to keep doing the thing. And there was a lot happening. And we're like, you know, it's been a lot. It's been a really challenging couple of years for everybody, right? Trying to get everyone's lives back online post-pandemic and trying to figure stuff out. And so we just decided maybe now is a good time for us to take a little break and focus on family while Rihanna has her addition to her family. So What's Good Games is going to be going dark for a couple of months. That means we're going to be putting the Patreon on hold And we're going to have a lot more details about all of that on a stream, a live stream that we're going to be doing that's not a Reacts, everybody. That's just a Funsies live stream. (laughs) Can you imagine? Do you remember when we used to do those? Oh, my God. Those were the days, again, like the pre-pandemic shenaniganry that you were alluding to. Yeah. So on Thursday, October 26th, Time TBD, we're going to have a really fun stream for y'all. It's just going to be a fun, let's just like hang out, shoot the shit, have some drinks. Maybe we can do some lights off shenanigans if Ooh. everything works out. We're going to be real close to Halloween, baby. There's lots of spooky games out. And this also means that our last show before that hiatus will be Friday, October 27th. So it'll be a fun Lucky one. episode 350. Let's go. Oh, I mean, we literally did not plan it that way. And then no. one night I was doing the math and I was like, yo, my God, it's going to be great because there's so many games that are going to be out right around that time. We're going to have Alan Wake 2. We're going to have Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. You're talking. It, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good way, I think, to take this hiatus. And yeah, I mean, you know, this is just us being honest and transparent. I think it'll be good for us to take some time off, some actual time off now that we're not in the throes of infancy with our children. And the holidays are right around the corner. And, you know, as my child is growing and becoming more online, as I like to put it, I'm finding myself really enjoying these special moments. And, you know, he's like I said, we go to a pumpkin patch. He's like, oh, my God, this is so cool. He loves pumpkins, you know, and with Christmas and all. I'm really excited about this. Obviously, I'm going to miss doing the show, but I think it's going to be great to, you know, get that quality family time in. And we'll boohoo and sob over it during the live stream anyway. And listen, shows take hiatuses on the regular. Like all the time. I know. It just feels weird, though. But it's good. They go dark and then they come back. Yeah, Yeah, I know. But it's like, it's weird. You know, we've never done this except for maternity leave. And that doesn't count. Doesn't count. It's good for us to do this. So, yeah, we'll have more information again during that live stream on Thursday, October 27th. In the meantime, stay tuned for your regularly scheduled shenanigans. Also, I will be flying into town for that last show before the hiatus. So it'll be fun, full of antics per usual. We'll, of course, have more details on the live stream about how everything's going to work, particularly for our wonderful community at patreon.com slash Games. So don't you guys worry about that. But I did want to make a note about this week's episode. So there wasn't a whole lot of news by the time we're recording the episode tonight. And there was a couple in case you missed it from last week. So right after we finished recording, of course, that news about Jim Ryan drops. The head of PlayStation who is stepping down and retiring in March. It's always so weird because they have to telegraph it so far in advance. Everyone's like, oh, he's gone. It's like, actually, he's still around for like five more months. Just telling everyone he's going to be leaving eventually. But, you know, kind of end of an era. It's been really interesting kind of seeing the different leaders at PlayStation who've come in and out of there over the last couple generations of consoles and how different each one of them has been and, you know, who they're going to pick as, you know, the full successor. There is an interim, of course. But I don't know. PlayStation as a brand is in a really interesting point right now. So it'll be fun to watch and see what happens next for PlayStation. But, you know, congrats to Jim on a illustrious career. I mean, quite honestly, being at a single company for as many years as he was at PlayStation is an achievement in and of itself. You know who they need to bring back is Kevin Butler. I saw a lot of memes about that. Oh, did you? I did. A lot of memes about people being like, bring Kevin Butler. You are original. You're one of one, Brittany Brombacher. But yeah, I saw a lot of people throwing a lot of names that I was like, okay, so some of these are really cool, fun people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that in no way, shape, or form are qualified to run Sony Interactive Entertainment. I was like, I was like, yeah. nah, that guy, he's, he seems cool what he does, but he can't run everything. I think my hope, Andrea, is that someone, whoever takes over, has the Phil Spencer effect. You know what I mean? Just someone very personable, someone that you can shoot the shit with, someone you can just approach and talk shop or not talk shop, and someone who I think is a really great face for the brand, for the community. Not saying that, you know, Jim Ryan wasn't effective, because obviously, I mean, look at PlayStation. Are they hurting right now? No, they're totally fine. 
Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. But as we move into this era of, you know, we have been in this era for a lot of time now, just social media has really kind of, it's eliminated that distance between brand and consumer. And so I think leaning into that now, we don't need to all be stuffy suits. I mean, obviously those people exist, but they don't need to be like so forward facing anymore. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting because I used to always just lean on, it's a Japanese business thing, but I really love how Nintendo has allowed Dog Bowser who is, you know, the president of Nintendo for North America, like to get out there and do these public appearances. And he's mm-hmm. a super fun, really personable guy as well. I think it would really behoove Sony to look at their candidates who are going to be, you know, kind of vying for that spot is like, hey, could this person be someone that we can like send to our show to talk to us about what's going on with the brand who can, you know, go on podcasts and work with content creators mm-hmm. and go to live events and do all that stuff. I think it would be great for them if they yeah. found somebody who was into that. But is it necessary? No. Nah. I just no, I think it'd be good. Anywho, we just wanted to briefly touch on that since it is very big news. And we just, just missed it getting it into last week's show. But without further ado, I think, Britt, it's time to talk about some stabby stab times. Ooh. But before we do that, we want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by Factor. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy this fall to cook, but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy and then get back to crushing your goals or those video games on your backlog. Relish the best of autumn with fall flavors, our limited time only, hearty, comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry pecan chicken and apple Dijon pork chops. Ready in just two minutes, they'll satisfy your fall cravings during the busy season without the hassle. Level up with gourmet plus options, prepare to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. And if you're too busy running around during the day to think about lunch, keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like green bowls and salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. This October, get factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes? No prep, no mess. Head to Factor Meals dot com slash what's good 50 and use code what's good 50 to get 50 percent off that's code what's good 50 at factormeals.com slash what's good 50 to get 50 percent off well shall we talk about assassin's creed i am so excited to hear what you think because last we talked about it I was in studio with you and it was glorious. You were kind of lukewarm just on what you had seen and played during the preview stuff. You had said it had felt a little bit of the same, like you had already done that before and it wasn't as exciting and you were missing that progression and that exploration. So I'm really curious to see if that has changed. Yes. So that is absolutely fair. My experience during the preview demo was very different. First, thank you to Ubisoft for providing me with access and a code for Assassin's Creed Mirage, the latest in the Assassin's Creed franchise, which is out October 5th, 2023, mere days away. Wow. Or if you're listening to this podcast now, today, it's out. <laughs> so for people who aren't aware, I have been a longtime Assassin's Creed fan, and I'm going to be playing a selection of trailers if you're watching with us here at youtube.com slash what's good games because I couldn't find the B-roll that I was supposed to be using, so forgive me. I did want to show you a little bit of the game, though, if you guys haven't seen it. So Assassin's Creed Mirage, there's a lot going on here. So first, they've talked extensively about how they wanted this sprawling third-person action-adventure stealth combat franchise to go back to its roots, which means away from the more RPG-focused future or present day that it has with the last three entries, which were Valhalla, Odyssey, and Origins, walking backwards there, back to towards the like 
AC2, the original AC, maybe even a little bit of Brotherhood and Revelations, but really more like I think a lot of AC2 is really coming through in Assassin's Creed Mirage. So I think it's interesting seeing the balance of how they really accomplished that in Assassin's Creed Mirage. So one of the big things was they said, we want to make this game shorter. We heard you hardcore fans are like these sprawling RPG Assassin's Creeds are too big. I personally put 150 hours into Assassin's Creed Valhalla to see the credits in that game. Mm -hmm. You could absolutely put many, many more hours than 150 (laughs) into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So I just want to call that out. Some people might be listening and being like, Andrea, I've put 500 hours into Valhalla. And I'm like, yeah, you can absolutely do that. That game is massive. It's huge. A lot of the hardcore Assassin's Creed fan base had been saying, I don't want that. I want like the slower gameplay, the more focus on stealth and, you know, less like loot chasing because the loot did get a little bit out of control, particularly in in Odyssey. I, I think they did a good job of tweaking the loot in Valhalla to make it feel like it was a little bit more impactful. But I almost feel like they've overcorrected mm. a little bit on some things. So... I'm going to try my best to keep this as cohesive as possible. <laughs> because I've been sick now for for a few days, I haven't really been sleeping. So if, if this is kind of goes all over the place on top of my ADHD, you know what? Just We're bear with me, everybody. We're here for the ride, baby. We're here for One, the ride. Wonderful. I love that for us. So <laughs> let's talk about the things that I really liked first. So one of the things about Ubisoft's studios that I've always really appreciated about what they do with the Assassin's Creed franchise in particular is what the art teams do. They do extensive research. They go to great lengths to make historically accurate representations inside each of their games set in all of these different areas around the world. And the Baghdad that we see in Assassin's Creed Mirage with Basim as the main character is no different. I was concerned about fidelity and graphics and the way that this game looked in my demo and in a lot of the trailers. And even in the opening area, like in the first part of the game before like the splash screen rolled where it was like the title screen was like, you know, you do a little bit of gameplay and then it's like Assassin's Creed Mirage. And like, oh yeah, now the game has actually started. (laughs) Looked a little wonky, but then it looked gorgeous. It looked like the Assassin's Creed that I've come to know and love and the fidelity that I've come to know and love and Mm. the amount of care and attention to detail that has gone into recreating Baghdad is really astounding. It's really magnificent. Some of the tile work in particular, I just want to call out. (laughs) Whoever on the Ubisoft team was in charge of the tile work, I have a specific screenshot I'm going to be posting on my Twitter, but like... The tile is gorgeous. And is it like is, shiny and reflective? And yes, that, and like yes. this is something that I think people who casually play video games don't understand just how difficult technically it is to get those textures and the lighting and the colors and then from the different angles as you're moving around. And <laughs> there are so many really beautiful colors in this era of Baghdad and there's just a lot of beauty to behold in in the game. And I really think that they nailed that and did a great job of that. I also think if you were looking for like an old school Assassin's Creed experience, then you are not going to be disappointed in Assassin's Creed Mirage. Like okay. this is old school Assassin's Creed through and through. And I'm going to bring up some of the gameplay trailer. So there's a gameplay walkthrough that Ubisoft posted on their YouTube channel so you guys can see if you guys haven't seen. So what does that mean exactly for people who are like, what is what is a return to old school Assassin's Creed actually mean? What it means is a lot more stealth. So a re-emphasis on parkour because Baghdad as a city is a very dense metropolis versus some of the more open sprawling areas that we got particularly in Odyssey in Greece and Valhalla in Northern Europe that you're going to be bouncing off of buildings, climbing up scaffolding, hopping across boards, and really just kind of jumping around a lot. It also means- Does the parkour feel good? Unfortunately, it doesn't feel as good as I wanted to. And that was one of my complaints, was that I'm glad that they decided to bring back more of the urban-focused parkour, but it just doesn't feel as fast and as fluid as I want. And I'm not quite sure what's not hitting- 
Mm. And to be honest, I haven't tried the game in performance mode. I was purely playing in graphics mode because I've said before, and we'll say again, when I'm playing a single player game, I like to play with the highest graphics possible. I want that 4K to sing. I want all of the textures and the lighting and everything to look beautiful. Like the 60 frames, like I would like it to be 4K 60 frames per second, but very, very few games can hit that and hit it fluidly. And on console, it's even more difficult. I mean, the short list of games who are doing it on console, like I don't even know what that short list looks like. Very few is the answer. So I was playing on PS5, by the way, which is something I haven't mentioned in case anybody was curious where I was playing. So the thing that I really had trouble with the parkour in particular was that a lot of it is you hold down the sprint button and in the accessibility menu, you can toggle it as well, which Ubisoft has done a lot of great work increasing their accessibility, which I really appreciate because that's been a big thing that you and I, Britt, talk a lot about is like, hey, like, but what about accessibility? And Ubisoft has really kind of put their money where their mouth is in that regard that they've actually like made a lot of improvements and added a lot of things. In fact, I took a screenshot because at the very beginning of the game, before you even start, first off, it's the most extensive epilepsy warning I've ever seen in a video game. So oh. like ha- hats off to you, Ubisoft, for being like, hey, actually don't bypass this screen. This is important for you guys to know. Like if you have somebody in your household or you have issues with lights and flashing, you need to read this warning extensively. Like it was a very long, well, great, very descriptive thing. And I was like, this is important. I'm glad that they did that. And then before you even get into the game, there's another screen that's like, we're going to give you just a couple accessibility things that you can tweak before you even get to the opening cutscene. And then it says on there, there are much more extensive accessibility options that will help you play the game to your utmost enjoyment. I'm going to look up the verbiage because it was <laughs> so good. enjoyment. I, I like that. I don't know if that's exactly what it says, but I'm going to look it up because I took a screenshot of it because I was like, I wish every game would just tell people, hey, you could have more fun playing this game if you tweak a settings to your liking or to whatever settings yeah. you want to tweak. Like yeah. we're putting them in there so you have more fun playing the game, the video game that's meant to be fun to play. Yeah, you know what? And I'm going to say on that note, fuck every game when it comes to the invert options who call it normal. What, normal. what would you call the other version then? Inverted and non-inverted? That's yeah. it? I mean, I really don't care. It's just a fun thing to bitch about. Was it our Final <laughs> Fantasy VII demo where it was called like normal or something? And I and I pitched. No, it's literally it's literally every game. Okay, not every game. There are some that says non inverted and inverted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you making me feel bad for being wired the way I am? Ugh. Okay, okay. Here's the screenshot. Okay. So let me um, and I will post the screenshot on on my Twitter. But what it reads is, these are just some options you should consider adjusting before starting the game. There are many more available from the title screen and main menu. Using a proper options configuration to fit your needs and playstyle will significantly improve your experience. Right? Like, thank you. I mean, honestly, truthfully, I know I was being silly about the inverted thing. Thank you. Because there's just been this weird dialogue that if you modify the game from its standard procedure that you're not playing it the way the devs have intended you to do it and that is just such bullshit and so i love that that's wonderful and that is great good on you Ubisoft. yes so i was very happy to see that i was playing on normal difficulty by the way so the parkour didn't feel as fast and fluid as they wanted in particular the way that basim sprints felt egregiously slow to me and i'm not sure why it just felt muddy chuggy slow no, not like it chugged or like there was rubber banding and there was a performance issue, which, by the way, this was the least amount of performance issues I've ever had with any Assassin's Creed game Great. in the modern era. So like PS4, PS5, which is quite a few games. I think yeah. Black Flag was the first PS4 game. So like very few technical issues in this game, which is mm-hmm. incredible. But it just, he just wasn't ever sprinting fast. Um. And that was what to me was a big miss is that they built in this really cool parkour system in this really densely populated, beautifully crafted city. And it just didn't feel like I was running super fast when I wanted to. And I I was like, well, maybe they intended it to be like an upgradable thing or whatever. And I was like, I don't know. It just felt sluggish and I wanted it to be faster. 
Mm-hmm. I just wanted to feel faster when I was running away. Like every time I had to run away from guards, <laughs> which we'll talk about in a second, I just felt like I could never run fast enough. Was it like those nightmares where you can't run, but you want to run? Sort like, of. Yes. Yeah. Sort dude. of. Yeah. I was like, I feel like I'm like running as fast as I can, but I'm not. It's not fast. I'm like, like any of one of these guards is going to catch me. Like, oh, I don't shit. like I don't feel like I'm running. And they did. They did most of the time. So, which, by the way, that will segue beautifully into my changes in combat scenario. Okay. I wonder if it has anything to do with, not to fuck up your segue, because is the map significantly smaller? I mean, no, because the, the way that they have the map laid out, you don't really, there's not a lot of reason to just go and explore. Mm. because it's so substantially smaller you're not just like walking around to like see what's in little nooks and crannies there's not like a lot of like random things to pick up in fact there's like no side quests in the game oh whoa everything's tied to the main campaign except for these extra activities called tales of baghdad which i would call the only side quests in the game outside of the contracts but the contracts that you pick up as an assassin feel more like an individual mission you go on, they don't really feel like a side quest where you meet a character and you're invested in what this character wants and this character kind of sends you on this thing for this specific reason. Like That doesn't exist in this game, really, Mm. for better or worse. And I think it may be for worse. Like I do really feel like they course corrected too far in the other direction and didn't hit a sweet spot of let's not make the big game that is Valhalla but let's not make what actually was AC2, unless you're just going to fucking remake AC2. I mean, if you guys remade AC and AC2, a lot of Assassin's Creed fans would be very happy about that. Uh I mean, a full remake, not a remaster, but a full remake of the original Assassin's Creed, I think could be really fantastic. But that's clearly not in their roadmap, which we already know extensively about. True. Anywho, so yeah, let's talk about stealth and combat. So I think this is where you're going to lose me, baby. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think this is where I'm going to say a big fat nope. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I wouldn't blame you. So here's a little peek at the contracts board where you can earn. There's three different kinds of power tokens in the game. And each of the power tokens you can use in various situations to bribe certain merchants, to open chests. You can use them to pay off a guy to take all of your notoriety away. And basically, you can earn more tokens by either pickpocketing people, which is fun and did I stop to pickpocket almost everybody? Yes. As you do. Well, you know me. I'm a trash panda. Oh, shit. We're going to talk about this marksman bullshit in a second. Um, <laughs> sorry. On the, in the gameplay that we're watching, like there's just a marksman which sends your eagle and keto away. We'll talk about that in a second. Pin that. So there's these power tokens that you can get from the contracts and then you can also get them from various chests and, and you can get them, loot them from wards. So Assassin's Creed combat and get general gameplay is really focused on stealth. What does that mean? Hay bales are back and they are everywhere. (laughs) All the hay bales. But also because it's Baghdad, there's beautiful flowers everywhere. And I took several screenshots of me hiding bodies in piles of flowers. (laughs) I was like, and a body goes here and a body goes here. And isn't it so pretty where I hid this body? It's going to become wonderful compost for these flowers. It's going to be great. No one's going to find this body. It's great. So I love that you're not just hiding in weird tall grass, that there's a lot of different kinds of beautiful flowers and flower stacks that you can use as hiding places. But yeah, I mean, you're basically sneaking around all the time. And it's important that you sneak around all the time because getting into open combat is hard. It's really hard. Some people had asked me during the preview coverage that we did hey Andrea like can I go in swords blazing like I'm used to no dog you can I mean you can if you're only fighting like two or three guys but if there is a big area where there's a lot of guards or a lot of enemies you absolutely Mm. cannot go in swords blazing because they will cut you down very quickly Ah. so you regen health a couple different ways in this game You eat food like you did in Valhalla, but you can also get these things called elixirs, which you can buy at merchants. And you can upgrade how many different elixirs you can hold. I think by the time I rolled credits, I was holding three elixirs, which is not that many health potions. And they regen your health, but 
remembering to like hit the elixir button like in the heat of combat is is challenging but the guards more importantly like they cut your health down really substantially with every hit and none of the armor that you get which is very limited by the way you have i think i had like five or six outfits unlocked at the end and when you compare that to the gear from the previous assassin's creed games that's nothing i had like six or seven different daggers and six or seven different swords and there are gear chests all throughout the city. And there is one cartographer who you can find to buy maps if you are like, I don't want to just send Enkidu around to find them. I want to like pay a guy for a map. You can do that. But you have to pay for them individually by section of the city, which is kind of oh. like a... Anywho, huh. the combat is very much don't get into combat. Uh. The game tells you in so many ways, like don't get into combat because you're going to have to run away a lot, which is what I did mostly. <laughs> okay. So, see, like, for me as someone who has never really been great at stealth, that's just, like, the, that drives me up, baby. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. will get caught a lot. And if I obviously, like, this game is designed, like you said, to go back to its days of old, to be stealthy as shit. But it sounds like, yeah, they're they very much want you <laughs> to do the stealth shenaniganry. Okay. And no, so no matter how much you level up, what kind of armor you get, it sounds like combat is going to be difficult. Yes, there are a couple like suits you can wear that will give you like health regen if you land like perfect parries or perfect dodges. Mm. But the like combat dodge roll, which is like in the early parts of the trees for the last couple of Assassin's Creed games, is the final node Uh. on the combat tree in the three skill trees of Assassin's Creed Mirage. And I was like, wait a minute. So that's, to me, the developer's extremely saying we don't want you to be doing a lot of combat dodge roll and you should be hiding that said i still had a lot of fun stabbing guys and hiding them in closets (laughs) that to me felt like such old school assassin's creed and i took so many screenshots of me like hiding in closets with the guards about to like walk up and be like this is too obvious they wouldn't hide in here and then i pop out and i'm like step 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 and then I hide hide him and his 17 friends in the closet with him. <laughs> Listen, not that many. I think the max bodies I put into a single closet was like six. Now, if you go check those flowers, there's probably a lot more bodies in those flowers. There's baby. definitely a lot of bodies in the flowers. Like, like definitely, definitely. <laughs> but the one cool thing about the new piece of combat that did make it kind of fun is this Assassin's Focus, was, mm-hmm. which is like the big new feature for Assassin's Creed. Mirage is where you have this meter called your focus meter and it allows you once you're in stealth you can't activate it once you've been seen or discovered but you can upgrade it so that you can tag multiple enemies you essentially like hit in like it was a R3 for me on PlayStation and then in the footage here you can see him tagging different enemies and then you kind of hit the execute button and then he'll auto assassinate a bunch Ooh. of enemies in a row Ooh. and that was a really fun, cool tool that I barely used. Oh, Barely used it. Yeah, because the thing is, when you come out of it, you don't immediately go back into stealth. You're exposed. So you have to really selectively use it where there's an opening for you not to be seen by other guards or for you to not, you know, put yourself in the eyesight of potential civilians who might see you because, my God... The citizens of Baghdad get spooked at the littlest fucking thing. No. You step foot into the wrong place and the guards are like, hey, you. And they start chasing you with spears instantly. (laughs) Notoriety is back in a big way. And the one nod that I love that we haven't seen yet really is the posters. The wanted posters are back, which is such a old school throwback where you have to go and physically rip down wanted posters on walls. So once your notoriety gets to a certain level, posters of your face will start getting posted around the world and you have to go and rip them down. And I love that they brought that back. It's such an old school nod. But the notoriety system felt like it was so easy to set off. It kind of reminded me a little bit of some of the Rockstar games and how like either in GTA or in Red Dead where you could do like the smallest thing and like the citizens of whatever town you're in are like, that's a criminal. I just saw him steal a thing. And you're like, hey, I'm just pickpocketing on my own over here. You just leave me alone. But yeah, the the citizens of Baghdad, if you like bump into them too hard, they're like, hey. And I'm like, can you just, can you just not? Can you just like 
relax a little. That was the main reason why I stopped playing the old Assassin's Creed games is because it was too stressful. It was just way too stressful for me. So, I mean, I know some folks love that, especially if you're into the the old school Assassin's Creed. So, like, cool. I'm glad that's back for those of you who love it. But, oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, like, to wrap up, like, kind of talk about gameplay. Yes, there's tools that are back. It felt like, it just felt like it was all, like, stuff that was familiar and, like, comfort food. But it felt like they didn't do enough to make it new. It was, uh. it was almost felt like, hey, we're just taking this stuff that we've already done and putting it into this game, but we're not doing any kind of new bells and whistles to it. And mm. I think that there's going to be a fan base that likes that. Yeah. But the hard part that I'm going to be really curious to see what everyone else's coverage is and more, more so what the fan community reaction is, is what's going on with like the people and the story of... Assassin's Creed because I'm going to pull up a story trailer here. So Bassem, we met as a character in Valhalla. And this is really kind of like his origin story into the Brotherhood and kind of like how he came to be. And that's cool and all. And, you know, Ubisoft really set up to kind of move away from the present day for civilization part of Assassin's Creed, the franchise. They're moving that into Assassin's Creed Infinity, which they've talked about previously which we'll learn more about in the future, I assume. And basically now all of these Assassin's Creed games are you just stepping back in time. So there's like no reference to like modern day at all in this game, Mm. for better or worse. And what that means is that, you know, they're really relying on the story of what's happening with Basim. And I was, you know, I'm not obviously going to spoil anything that happens in the game. I I don't want to do that. Also, Ubisoft put a really wonderful spoiler screen at the front of the game too, which, you know, I'll also post a screenshot of which I'll read after we're done with this. But I wanted to be excited about it. and I wanted to care about these characters. And I think something that the Assassin's Creed franchise has always struggled with is making me care about who the Order is and why they're the big bad and why we always have to take them down and Mm. really who are we saving from the Order. And I feel like there was only like one or two characters maybe in this game that I really felt attached to. And it was really kind of a bummer. I was like, I really wanted to care more about a lot of these characters and I just didn't. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's a symptom of not getting enough time with them because the game was so much shorter, which by the way, I've rolled credits on this game with doing a good amount of contracts and side content in about 20 hours. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, 20 to 22 hours roughly. Mm. Do you think it's... Do you think maybe because there's no mention of modern day, are there tie-ins to the greater Assassin's Creed air quote universe? And if there's not, maybe that's part of the reason why you weren't super, you didn't care a lot about these guys, maybe? You know, they have mentioned in interviews that the narrative team has done over the coverage of Assassin's Creed Mirage that there's a bunch of Easter eggs and like little Mm -hmm. things. And we get to see the Alamut, which is this historic thing for the Assassin's Brotherhood. It's like their training ground where basically nobody's off the street train and learn to become an assassin and take their oaths and become part of the Brotherhood. So that's like a really big lore thing for fans of the franchise that I'm interested to see how people react to that. But we sadly don't get to spend like a ton of time there. Mm -hmm. And the way that they kind of arc the story, I just, they do let you kind of unravel it, you know, at, in whatever order you want. You don't have to go like in a set linear line, which a lot of the assassin, modern Assassin's Creed have done. But I mean, I think about Odyssey and how there were like three different endings to that game. And there was like so much to discover and so much to see and learn. And this game just feels like, wait, there's more, right? Wait, where's where's the rest of it? Oh, it's over? Oh, it's over. Oh. And it's like, well, are they holding something for DLC? Are they intentionally making it short? Are they going to do more? I don't know. And I can't say any more because I don't want to accidentally sure. say something that's spoilery. But it kind of left me going, huh, well, that was a thing that I played. Uh, and I had a good time, but I didn't have a great time. Definitely wouldn't put it in my like top five Assassin's Creeds. But it's a very good game, a very good Assassin's Creed. Just not the Assassin's Creed, I think, a lot of us hardcore longtime fans really wanted. At least... I'm speaking for myself. Let me speak yeah. for myself. Not speak for you, you out can. there. I have so other many Assassin's Creed, but I know your voice is like going tits up, so I'm not going to drill you right now. But no, but yeah, ask questions. I'm okay. I'm okay. good. I got my tea. 
Okay, you got your CT CT girl. Okay, so I feel like when this game was announced, everyone, not everyone, well, most most of the AC fans were excited about this, right? This return to form. But now that we have it, and now that you've had those huge open world Assassin's Creed games, based off of what you've played, is this still what you want? Or do you still think there's room for a happy medium? Do you think Ubisoft should fully just lean into the entire open world that they've done recently? Or like, what do you think? I think they need to find a happy medium for sure. I think Valhalla was too much. I think even Mm. a lot of like diehard fans are like, this is too much. There's always going to be that small section of the audience that's like, I want all of the things and I'm a completionist and I'm going to collect literally everything that I want. And it's um, every little tiny like collectible. I'm going to get all of the songs and all of the little like God idol dolls and all of the hidden books and literally every scrap on that like meme map that people Mm -hmm. always refer to when the Assassin's Creed map and it's like all of the icons. You can't even see the map because there's so many icons. (laughs) I think that that era of Assassin's Creed, they need to pull back a little. But I think they need to pull up from what Assassin's Creed Mirage is if that's the formula that they're going to continue with. But we honestly have no idea. This is a big turning point for the Assassin's Creed franchise. I think they could go in a very different direction for Hexay. And it sounds like they're going to, which is, you know, kind of this witchcraft-focused game that we literally know nothing about, except that they've said that it's going to be very different. You know, and I think maybe that's what they need to do. But I don't want to see them abandon this, because clearly it's hugely successful. Mm-hmm. But I also get that those teams maybe have fatigue, but there's so many of them. There's so many Assassin's Creed teams. That's kind of what I'm getting at. That's what I'm thinking, because we know we were getting Assassin's Creed Red, and we're getting Hexay. So it sounds like, you know, we know Ubisoft has recently canceled a lot of projects. We know they're really leaned into the IPs that work. So maybe the new formula is, you know, put out these shorter Assassin's Creed games with Hexay, whatever that's going to be, and Mirage, and then also put out your big bangers you know, once in a while to stagger the releases. So I'm going to be curious to see. Hexay, I'm, I'm curious about because of the the whole setting, like the witch trials and whatnot. Like, how does that, that's yeah. going to be cool. But I do hope that it is not, the formula is not the same as it is in Mirage. Because hearing you talk about the stealth being so important, the combat prob- intentionally being difficult, and that the townsfolk get pissed off if you just like fart around them. Like, no thanks. I don't want that. But the one thing you did not circle back on that you wanted to was something called a marksman or a... Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So a staple of the franchise has been your eagle buddy, right? Like yeah. it's, a, it's a huge part of the lore of the Assassin's Brotherhood. And in all the games, you've got an eagle buddy. They all have different names. And now you can make fancy new skins and all that. And by the way, the skin that comes with the deluxe edition, which Ubisoft gave me, the sand skin is very cool. When Enkidu flies, it's got like this really black, cool black skin with like these gold etching and then like sand like comes off its wings. Ooh. It's it's really dope. Ubisoft has been very good with cosmetics in Assassin's Creed for a long time, which is why I was bummed that there were so few of them <laughs> in this game. And then a lot of that has to do with the fact that the store wasn't launched by the time I finished because I'm playing pre-release. But also you have such little gear. There's not like a lot of room right. for doing stuff. Anyhow. Enkidu, your eagle buddy, works much like all of the eagles in the past games have, where you send your eagle buddy up, you can tag enemies on the ground, Enkidu can spot like chests that you can open, can spot certain lore bits in the world, basically uncover stuff on the map, right? Mm -hmm. But this time, because Ubisoft is mean, or whatever reason, their developers pick, they added an enemy type called a marksman. And this marksman can shoot arrows at Enkidu in certain situations. So you can send Enkidu in to like scout an area before you, you know, go in and figure out which how you're going to sneakily attack whatever your objective is. And then it says Enkidu is not allowed in the area because a marksman is shooting at them. Oh. And I'm like, I was so irritated by this combat mechanic, stealth mechanic, however you want to call it, I hated it. Yeah. Because the game kept prompting me to call Enkidu in to find my objective. And I was like, I can't fucking call Enkidu in because there's a marksman on the roof of this giant palace that I have to infiltrate and it's going to take me a long ass time to get to the roof where the fucking marksman is uh... to kill them. Because <laughs> in order to get in Kidu back, you have to assassinate the marksman, which is always on the roof. The marksman is always on the fucking roof. Oh. And sometimes it's very easy to get to the roof. 
And other times it's very, very difficult. Another silly thing this game does, there's a couple like palaces or like high level forts that you have to get into mm. that have like little like spears along the wall or like <laughs> spikes on the top of the fence. And I was like, really? I cannot possibly I, get past I these just, spikes. <laughs> I, I'm like a master assassin who can jump from like a hundred feet in the air and swan dive, but I can't jump over this little <laughs> spike. It's like the thing that that video games do when you have like superheroes who can't go on water. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you go on the water and they instantly like die or whatever. Or your path is blocked by a carriage and you could clearly like crawl (sighs) underneath it if you needed to or like moves. I get it. Yeah, that's like I understand. Like it's for the sake of like whatever you want me to find the secret way in. But the marksmanship really grinded my gears towards the end of the game because the game kept prompting me. To call in Kidu, but I couldn't call in Kidu because they placed a fucking marksman huh. on the top of whatever building I was trying to infiltrate. And I'm like, stop prompting me to call my eagle in. I can't call the eagle in. Okay. <laughs> I can't do it. Well, hopefully they <sighs> do away with that going forward. Yeah, I would like that enemy type to just disappear because to me, it completely negates the whole purpose. And Enkidu has a whole fucking skill tree. There's a predator skill tree completely for your eagle and your eagle's perception abilities and all the things your eagle can do. And then they're like, we're going to make an enemy that makes your eagle absolutely useless. Literally, you can't you can't use it. Like, it's not just that it's useless, but like, we're not going to let you use it. Would you say and that like, the this- self mechanics and the combat and the scaling and all that, the infiltration in the open world Assassin's Creed games are more enjoyable than the one designed for Mirage? It's identical. Except for the marksman thing right yes so the big difference is that the enemies you if you break stealth in this game you can't usually fight your way out you usually have to run away okay unless it's late game like late game i was able to get into some pretty big skirmishes and survive because i had all of my shit you know leveled up i had like maxed out like my tools and i had my more elixirs and your health is is higher because you can max out, you can upgrade your gear, right? So like late game, yeah, you can you can fuck around a little bit and find out. <laughs> but like mid game to early game, like nah, you you be dead. Okay. Like they'll kill you. Cause like a lot of the guards will like one or two hit you. Oh shit. And if you don't have elixirs on you, like there's no way to like get more health. You just die. <laughs> Lovely. So, so yeah. So, but otherwise the stealth mechanics are literally identical. The way you infiltrate the guard barracks or the palace or the postal bureau or the concubine's house or whatever the things are, right? The random things that you're going to be infiltrating. It's literally identical to all of the other games. There's nothing new. And I think that's what I was also kind of a little sad about that from a level design perspective, like I would love to know from the team, like how do you balance hey, we don't want to go too far from our tried and true formula, but we also want to do some experimentation. I would have loved to see them bring more vertical puzzle solving back because that was a big thing in the early Assassin's Creed games that we haven't seen in a long time, that we got to see in some dungeons, particularly in Odyssey and some in Valhalla as well, that where you got to do some really cool climbing puzzles. Ooh. Not really any climbing puzzles in this game at all. And it's like, did they just leave a bunch of this stuff on the table because they're like, hey, people said short, let's make it short. And they did. They they made it short. Hmm. And I'm like, maybe you guys made it too short. And now it's like, well, are we like in a princess in the pea situation? Is this, are you guys like just being like the worst Goldilocks for this franchise? Like, how do we, yeah, yeah. how do we find the happy medium? How do we make everybody happy? And that's why when we've talked about it before, Brett, I compared it to Resident Evil and it's like, there is no... There's no magical happy medium to make it for everybody, right? Yeah, nope, that that sounds about right. Especially with a game like this, where there's now so many elements to Assassin's Creed. I feel like, how do you incorporate all of that? What is Assassin's Creed anymore? You know, or do they start veering off? Like I said, make these shorter experiences and then make these open world experiences that kind of have their own identity and DNA. But I think this game is going to do great. I think it does everything that fans want. I just wanted it to do it a little bit better than it did. That's fair. I think this is a solid game. It's super fun. I had a great time playing it. It's just not one of my favorites. That's but fair. it was funny because John, <laughs> John, who was so good about watching the baby while I was sick on the couch playing this game and trying hard not to play it in front of my child, even though she doesn't know what's happening yeah. yet. She mostly just saw my eagle flying around, was very excited about it. <laughs> but he was like, you keep ragging on it 
but you've literally played it like eight hours today. <laughs> When's the last time you played a game for eight hours? And I was like, probably Destiny, honestly. <laughs> Good for you. But no, I mean, listen, like Assassin's Creed holds a very special place in your heart. And there is something about it that you keep going back to and that I think you're always going to love. But it's kind of like me with Pokemon and Zelda. It's just, you know, when you love something that much, you just can't. There's no and we know there's no perfecting. You can't make a perfect video game, especially when you love something so much. It's just impossible. We're always going to yeah. be like, oh, if only you did this and only you did that. So, like, I get you. I 100% understand. I'm playing Harvest Moon Winds of Anthos right now on the side, and I can't stop playing it. But, God, that game pisses me off. Same sort of thing. I mean, I've had plenty of Destiny rants in my time, oh, right? Yeah. So, I I mean, I, I get it. And, like, like I said, this game is good. Yeah. It's beautiful. There's lots of stabbing guys from closets and hiding them in there, which I think people are going to be excited about. <laughs> you know? So, I will be curious to see how people react to the story and what happens at the end. I feel like generally whenever a new video game releases that is narrative heavy, the assumption is you don't spoil shit. But it is interesting how Ubisoft has been like, yo, please don't spoil this game before the game is even out to anybody, you know, except for press. So they pushed a patch today, being Tuesday, and I'm assuming this is going to go live when everybody, you know, boots up the game. It says, like, before you can even get to, like, the main menu... It says, no spoilers, please. With the launch of Assassin's Creed Mirage upon us, we would kindly ask you to consider your fellow assassins and refrain from posting or sharing unmarked spoilers that would impact their experience. Thank you. I think it needs to be said, sadly. (laughs) Which is, you know, it's fine. We just live in a society, Andrea, that just, you know, the people, they want the clicks, they want the views, and they're going to upload everything and anything unless it is specifically spelled out for them. And, you know, good for them for at least getting ahead of it so they can waggle their finger if people are naughty. I think they acknowledge that there's no telling people to not do it. They're just saying, just post that it's a spoiler. Don't tell people or don't post a screenshot. Or make the thumbnail a spoiler. Oh, wait, you don't want me to show like what happens in the final scene as the thumbnail? I mean, I'd like to hear actually. You know what I mean? Because like, I don't know. I'll tell you, girl. Tell me everything. Well, I'm glad that you ended up liking the game. I think more than I anticipated you liking the game. So that makes me happy. Well, uh, I don't know if there's an easy way to pivot to this next game that I'm going to tell you about, but you sip your tea, baby, and you just enjoy a story I'm about to tell you because it's a weird, fucked up story, kind of, sort of, but let's talk about it. So I am playing a game called Silent Hope, and this is developed by Marvelous and published by Xseed. It is on October 3rd, and it is $39.99 on, you know, I don't know if it's anywhere but Switch. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm playing it on Switch. And this game originally caught my eye because it looked like it had the gameplay loop, kind of something like Hades, where you dive into dungeons, and you come back, and you upgrade, and you dive again, and there were these old Harvest Moon-looking cows, Story of Season cows, and I saw farming and crops, and I was like, say no more. But Let's just kind of talk about the premise of the story first. So there was once a peaceful kingdom, Andrea. It was peaceful and it was great. Everyone was happy, yada, yada, yada. But then these people started- As they all are uh, in the beginning. Absolutely, right? And then they started acting like assholes. And the king of this realm was like, yo, yo, stop. Don't, you don't need to be a dick. And then he used his magic to steal away people's ability to speak. Thus the game's title called Silent Hope. And then he chucked himself into a huge hole called the Abyss. He was like, deuces, y'all can't talk now, lol. And then, down he goes. Well, he has a daughter, Andrea, and she was not happy about this at all. She was understandably just absolutely devastated by this so much so that she cried herself and solidified herself into a crystal of tears. So now she's all like, ah, like trapped in her own tears and she's very sad about it. Anyway, somehow she beckons the seven warriors to her aid and your job as the player is to assume the role of these warriors basically they're just seven different classes so you have the wanderer an archer a warrior you have the farmer which uses a pitchfork which is kind of one of my favorites there's a mage etc etc and each character has different classes and subclasses and you dive into these isometric dungeons that are kind of based I would say on season so there's like a spring looking dungeon a fall one, a winter one, 
And as you dive in deeper, you learn more about the backstory of what the fuck happened with the king. Why did he throw himself into an abyss and take away everyone's ability to speak? Clearly, he's just not a simpleton asshole. There must be a reason. And the idea is, yeah, you explore down into the abyss while the other six characters are upstairs working on crafting materials. So essentially... You dive into a dungeon, you collect materials, you collect recipes, you can unlock fast travel points, and you then can find these floating crystals down there, which let you swap out characters, which is useful if your character is low on health, because you only get two health potions, and sometimes you'll find more. Anyway, then you go up, collect your resources, and dive in and hope you can make it farther the next time. And like I said, there are fast travel, so it's not like, you know, there's no dungeon progression. And... You know, it's on paper, it's the kind of game like I was mentioning earlier where it's like I'm playing it and it definitely has that one more run, one more run feel to it. And then I'm playing and then I'm like, am I even having fun right now? I don't even know. But then the next day, Mm. I'm craving to play it again. You know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly. So it's definitely the sort of game that's good in like 45 minute bursts for me anyway. The problem, too, with this game is you have these seven different classes, and they all play very fun and very different, I will say. And the combat is actually very, very enjoyable. But the problem is there's no XP share. And this game is grind. Yes, yes. I hate that. Oh, man. And this game is grindy. Very grindy. And so the problem, and if you like that sort of thing, if you have, you know, the time and this is like your way of like relaxing and unwinding, like, great, you're going to love it. But, you know, like, you know, we're juggling a lot of games right now and I really want to keep playing, but it just kind of gets to the point where it's like, I can keep leveling my one character, but it would be really fun you know, I love the uh, the Wanderer because it's a very balanced class, but it would be fun to fuck around with a mage a little bit and, and mess around with that skill tree. But then I have to start from level one, you know, and I can level up, you know, quicker because you get better recipes the farther you dive in. And the recipes aren't just for the class that you're playing as. You can get recipes for any class. But the problem for that, again, is like you're still level one. So you still have to go through the motions of killing slash obliterating enemies because you're probably so OP by that point. But it does take a time and it, it is a grind. And, you know, I've played for I don't know how many hours, maybe 10 to 12 hours. And the grind is fun for a bit. But then I I start missing an actual story. You know, there is story as you progress, but you just get little like tidbits narrated by the princess because, again, no one can talk in this game. And it's odd. It's an odd choice because I don't know why you would call it. Why would you take away your character's abilities to speak? Because that takes away character progression as like, you know, characters or whatever. They're not interesting because they don't have anything to say. Question. (sighs) Yeah. Do you think some of it might be because this game feels like it was originally designed for mobile, including some of this progression you're talking about? And a lot of mobile games, particularly these kinds of RPGs, ARPGs, in fact, are kind of set up that way, especially meant to be deployed over multiple regions across the globe. And the leveling up the characters from zero, doing one at a time, yeah, smacks of mobile as well. It, you know, but I know that like Exceed and Marvelous, that's not normally how they no, it, do their stuff. So I don't know if maybe this was maybe at some point in the development process, they were like, let's tweak it and make it for mobile and then they changed and made it for switch yeah you know honestly i have no idea it's it's definitely lacking an identity which is probably why you're picking up on that i'm not sure what the vision was because while the gameplay loop in itself on paper is great the progression the the skills and the combat great narratively the characters there's no personality because the characters don't say anything it's it's a weird choice and I don't want to, you know, it's not fair to anyone to compare a game like this to something like Hades, right? But when you have Hades, which is $24.99 on the eShop, and, you know, if this kind of gameplay loop sounds like great to you, Hades has it perfected. You know, there's voice acting, which I get it. It's like not the vision, but the voice acting is phenomenon. The character progression is is phenomenal. I said phenomenon. Phenomenal. You know, the story, everything, the, the relationships. It is just so great. But what this... I mean, it's like the bar for roguelikes. It is. And I feel like if you're going to try to match that play style, you know, you have to do something. And honestly, like, at this point where I'm at, and this is me just being jaded, I feel like the reason this game is called Silent Hope is because they didn't want to have to go through the process of giving these characters personalities or voices or figure out how that fits into this game. 
Oh, bummer. You know, and I don't, because I haven't finished it yet. So maybe later on in this game, everybody gets a personality and everybody gets a voice. But to be as far in as I am, and I'm still wondering about that, it's too late, you know? So mm. it's it's interesting. It's a cute game. It's a fun concept. I just wish it was a little deeper with its systems. And I wish I, I felt more compelled to continue the story. But it definitely is just one more run, one more run. And then I realized that I'm not really making any progress because there's really no progression in terms of narratively. And so I'm like, okay, why am I doing this? And then the next day I need yeah. it again. Yeah. So maybe this is the game for you. I know a lot of folks who also reviewed it had a lot of fun with it because, again, the combat progression, the equipment, it can get real deep and you can get real intricate with it. You can grind if you want and get really powerful or you can try to free balls it and have a tough time. It's up to you. There's a lot of different ways you can play it. So from that standpoint, it's fun. Like, it really is. But, yeah, I just wanted a little bit more, especially for thirty nine ninety nine. Just felt like maybe not to get all, like, oh, in the weeds about what a price point means for a game. But it just feels like, what is this? I don't know. It's okay for you to say it didn't feel like the money you spent was worth the investment. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's true. Not everything is. That's true. Sometimes you try something and it doesn't work out. That's right. But, yeah. I mean, it can be a video game. It can be a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. It can be... A shot of whiskey. It can be your Botox. It can be a t-shirt. It can be your lip It can be fillers. literally anything. You know? Sometimes you spend money on something and you're like, I kind of regret spending money on that thing. Yeah. It wasn't worth it. That's true. It happens. It does happen. But yeah. Good news. More things to spend money on. Oh my There's God. never a shortage of those. Way too many things to spend money on. If only there was more money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if only there was more money. Ah, <laughs> uh, But yeah, Silent Hope. There it is, friends. Well, Brittany, I'm sorry that game wasn't blowing your skirt up. Mm. But we've got another game that we're going to talk about if it's blowing our skirt up or not. Can't say either way yet. Sure. Soon, Spider-Man is happening. Yeah, we're playing it. That's all we can tell you, and we can talk about and it. now it's like, well, what are we supposed to talk about next week then? We can't talk about it yet. Not until the 16th. I'll have something the to talk after. about next week. Ooh, you have something special? Something <gasps> special to talk about next week? Can't tell you what yet, I like but that. I will be talking about it. Secrets. I don't know what that. I don't know what that sound was. You know what Jason's been doing a lot of whispering. That's like his new favorite thing to do. I love that for you because Charlie's new thing is let's shout so I can hear myself shout. Oh, fun! No, we still have some of that too. Don't worry. Yeah, fun is the word I would use to describe yeah, that for sure. It's great, especially when you're right in front. Mama, where are you? And I'm like, I'm right here, child, whom I love very, very much. Because everyone who's listening to the podcast right now are the homies. Yeah. I'm going to pull up a video. That my husband took of my daughter in the studio on the microphone (laughs) using the voice modulators, which is why the soundboard gets messed up every week. (laughs) So you guys can listen to what it's like to have a toddler have access to a soundboard. I love it. Okay, everybody. Let's do it. John changed the modulator. (laughs) 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 Wait, I think there's more? No, that was it. I love her so much. I love it because I know one of John's favorite things is to put her in the studio and then put that voice changer on. And then Andrew always comes out into the studio and it's all just messed up. And John's like, why are all the why are all the knobs in the wrong spots? Oh, I know. why. And John's just in survival mode trying to keep his daughter occupied and happy. And he just leaves a trail of mini destruction everywhere. But, you know, that's fine. That's what we do as parents and partners is we we cover for our partner. Well, her new thing is that. She thinks that there's dinosaurs in the laundry room, huh? which is attached to the studio. And so now mommy and daddy have to tell the dinosaurs to get back and oh. to go back to the studio. They're not supposed to be in the house. Go away, dinosaurs. Well, that's that's very good. I mean, that's great. You know, that that's is, a fun thing we get to play. You know what? Since we're here with the homies, I was worried because, you know, me, Andrea, I like freaky shit, not sexually. Well, maybe I do. Who's going to say this? Scary. Is, well, terrifying. Mm, yeah. Get, get me back on track here. Yeah. Scary, terrifying. So I have lots of really terrifying zombies and things that hang in from our trees out here. I mean, like. Oh, you go ham on Halloween. I do. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I have this. You have a Halloween town and everything. Yeah, we got it out this year. It's really fun. I mean, I wasn't sure if I was going to because it's so much work, but Jace loves it. So I did it for him. Anyway. um, Yeah. I have like this pumpkin demon ghost thing and it's it's a white 
white like pumpkin head, but it has like these blank vacant eyes and like these scars and scratches everywhere. And it's all like, and I was always scared. I was scared that Jace wasn't going to like it. Every day he has to high five that thing. Because he loves it so much. I love it. And then we went to a That's spirit cool. Halloween store. And I was a little nervous about that. Because, you know, they have some, like, Chucky dolls or whatever. Oh, yeah. There's some really, like, terrifying masks and stuff. Demonic babies and stuff. But he all called He called them all his friends. So I love I'm that like, for you. You are my son. Yay. That's great. We have a single skeleton on a chair on the front stoop. Oh. And Charlie... Sometimes is okay with it and sometimes is not. Yeah, you know, it just depends on how the light hits it that day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's holding a pillow that says, greetings, ghoulies. Okay, that's cute. That's it. That's cute, though. You listen. And I put like a little like weird like black boa on it. That's it. I mean, it's It's just a fun little skeleton. It's so hard Halloween because then, you know, you have Christmas right around the corner and that's when you, I know you in particular, really go ham. You have like eight Christmas trees. Me and my like five Christmas trees. I know. I remember all the Christmas trees. Yeah, I have like... Too many boxes of Christmas stuff. That's my thing. Yeah. Well, at least you use it. I have too many boxes, but I just pretend they don't exist because I can't see them. And then it makes me feel oh, better. No, come on. It's like a ritual I do every year when I pull out all my oh, no, I mean, Christmas it's... stuff. You don't have like a ritual where you pull out all your Halloween stuff? Girl, no, I go on Amazon and I order more so I don't have to go into the garage and get my boxes Oh, out. that's your toxic trait. It's you very just... toxic. Yeah. Don't you just... you want to buy it and use it once and then forget it exists. Well, don't tell Jason. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. It's because we have an entire section of our garage dedicated to Christmas stuff. Like it's it's we call it Christmas Cove. Like it's its own ass arsenal of Christmas stuff. But it's just so much work to get the boxes out, and sometimes there's like mice, and it's just like I don't want to fucking deal with it. So mice? I just no, no. So I just order new stuff every year, and you know, wait, Reb doesn't catch those mice. They're in the garage, and Reb doesn't go. Yeah, bring them outside. Be like Reb, get the Girl, mice. Reb would like lick those mice and like give them baths and shit. Are you kidding? Have you met that dog? Like the only thing he's ever killed I in have his met life that dog. was a rabbit because he accidentally stepped on it while he was taking a shit. Oh no! Yeah, sad. Yeah. So actually, I don't even know if also it, what a way to die. You know, I don't know oh, if it actually rabbit. died though. I think its leg got broken, and then Jason and I drove like two hours to try to find like a refuge for it. <gasps> oh no! Yeah. And then they were like, "This, there's no hope for this rabbit. I mean, they, Let, they, leave it, leave it out for some other animal to eat." The the ecosystem, the circle of life. Well, yeah. After that one, on. that was it. I I couldn't save every rabbit because we just you know where we live. We got hawks and shit, but. Anyway. Oh, yeah, you're like you're like in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But yeah, anyway, Christmas. So I'll just order a bunch of new stuff because then I can just not have to deal with taking it out of boxes from the garage. And Jason wonders how we get so much more stuff every year. I don't know, honey. I, I know. can't wait for the day that comes where you like have like a big garage sale at Halloween time, like like. The beginning of September, where you're just like, epic estate Halloween sale. And then, like, people show up and it's just a garage sale, but it's all Halloween yeah. stuff. That would be amazing. That would be I would so come fun. to that. I know. And that's but my other toxic trait is I want to buy more stuff. You know, I, I well, can't you could make it a swap. You could make it like a trade, like could. a swap. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the like a Halloween hit. swap meet. Like, bring your Halloween stuff that you're tired of and check out mine and let's swap. You know how it is, us ADHDers. We have low dopamine and yeah. we need the dopamine. So I get dopamine from buying that stuff. And then, yeah. yeah. See, my thing has been I fill a lot of carts in online stores and then I just forget to buy them. Yeah. Which is convenient for me and cheaper. That's smart. But then yeah. I'm like, didn't I order that thing? And then I would go to the website and it's like, oh no, I d- it's just in my but cart. Th- and then you have the willpower to not order it. Sometimes. That's good. And then half the time, the stuff that I wanted or was on sale is like either not on sale anymore or it's out of stock. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah. guess it wasn't meant to be. No, nope, guess not. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. folks, hope you enjoyed that tangent at the end of the episode. <laughs> good. I forgot we were even recording, honestly. <laughs> Great. That's because we're all friends here, yeah, Brittany. It's fun. Everyone who hangs out with us at the very end of the podcast, yeah. they're the homies. They are. All right, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye.